0: Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps.
1: Interestingly, we don't always think about the words of that very famous scripture John 3:16. But Jesus put that right out to the people who are down and out a lot. He put that right out on their behalf with that very that the verb in that sentence leads right to them. It says, "For God so loved the world." Love. You know that word is one that It falls into a category with some other words that kind of has lost its shine a little bit in some years. It's kind of gotten worn out or maybe we're just a little desensitized to that word love. Because I say things all the time like, I love to golf. And I love peanut butter and jelly. And I really love cheesecake. But uh, those are all the same word really, but incredibly different in terms of their mm, emotional uh, connection. The overuse of that word has sort of diffused it maybe or maybe just knocked off its punch a little bit. That's it's unfortunate because there is an agape love. It's sort of less of an, an affection and more of a, a decision, less of a feeling and more of an action. And I wear this bracelet much like many of you And right on there it says, Salvation Army, belief in action. And because of our calling as Christians, we should be walking that agape love. Well, this is the love that's described in John 3.16. Won't you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you so very much for that uh, inspiring love that you came to this world and gave to us. You changed the world, Lord. And as you did so, you made it possible for us to walk that walk with you. We don't have to do the actions, but they just come so naturally to us when we strive to walk with you, Lord. We thank you very much for the wonderful message that we're about to receive this morning and the bread that it will feed our hearts with. And Lord, we thank you for the rising of the sun as we watched it go up this morning, but more importantly, the rising of your sun. Be with us now as we worship together. Amen. Now you thought I was going to just turn around and walk away, right? I'm going to sit down now. I'm done. No. We're going to sing some more. And this one's going to take a little bit more of an upbeat tempo, perhaps. But I'm going to invite you guys to sing with me. We're going to sing four verses straight on through. And this is a song that you know very well. Come, let us all unite to sing. God is love. Stand up and sing it with me, won't you? great stuff. We're going to unite. We're going to sing. We're going to tell it to everyone on earth that we know that God is love. How happy is our portion here? You know, it's not always happy here, is it? Sometimes it's kind of dull. Sometimes it's kind of saddened by things that happen in our lives. But we can always point to Him and be lifted up in, and rejoice in His uh, saving grace. Let's sing 3 and 4 right now. Uh-huh. happy is
0: this group will support me when I'm up here. Scripture employs an artillery of terms of love. Each one calibrated to reach a
2: different
0: target. Consider the one Moses
2: used with his followers.
0: The Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of his love. This passage warms our hearts, but it shook the Hebrews' world. They heard The Lord binds himself to his people. In this case,
2: God
0: changed himself to Israel. Because the people were lovable? No. God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. The fact is, there was almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love, keeping the promise he made to your ancestors. God loves Israel and the
2: rest
0: of us because He chooses to. This is the love that won't let go of the object of love.
2: God will not let you go. He has handcuffed Himself to you in love, and He owns the only key. You need not give this love. You already have it. And since you can't give it,
3: and experience the breadth, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Others demote you, God claims you. Let the definitive voice of the universe say, you're still part of my plan. Folks, we need to keep in prayer um, during our service and uh, continuing through the week. You may have um, got the email that Lois Spicer passed away, Chuck Richards' sister, and um, her uh, visitation was yesterday and will be today, I believe, 2 to 4 and 6 to 8 at the um, Swartz Funeral Home on Hill Road. And her funeral service will be tomorrow at noon at um, the Swartz Funeral Home. Keep that family in prayer. Also, um, Lucille is still in the hospital and uh, healing up. And they're still, I believe, trying to figure out exactly uh, what is causing the infection. So you want to keep her in prayer. And I know there are a lot of folks who are um, having to stay home because of Illness, and um, we just need to to lift one another up in prayer. And I hope you'll use the prayer list to help you do that. This um, season of Lent, we have been considering John three sixteen, which says, "For God was so angry with the world that He sent His one and only Son." Right? No, no. For God so wanted to judge the world. For God was so frustrated. For God so hated sin that he sent his only son. No, it's none of those, is it? It's for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Maybe if if we were God, we would have sent Jesus for a different reason, maybe one of those reasons. But God sent him because of love. Don't you want to be like Jesus today? What does it really mean to be like Jesus? You know, does it mean to grow your hair long and wear sandals? People did that back in the 60s and 70s, right Dave? How'd that work for you? Did that, did that kind of make you like Jesus? My brother still has long hair and wears sandals, and they mistake him for Jesus, but let me tell you, he ain't he nothing like Jesus. Does it mean to be quiet and meek and say a lot of wise things? You know, Gandhi Gandhi did that. Really, what does it mean to be like Jesus? You know, the truth is, I don't think many of us really want to be like him. I don't think many of us would honestly seek to be like Jesus because it's just too costly. I mean, look at what it cost him. But if you still want to be like Jesus, then here's what he very pointedly challenges us to do. Look at John chapter 13, verse 34, speaking to his disciples. He says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. You know, if we really want to be like Jesus, then we have to love others the same way that he loved. What's that love like? If we look at his life, if we examine the way he lived, we will learn everything we need to know about this life of love. He says to his disciples in John 13:15 I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus is the standard. He is the example. Paul later gives this charge to the church in Ephesus. Be imitators of God and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Here we are instructed to love like Jesus loved. So be careful when you when you sing songs like to be like Jesus this hope possesses me because it's a huge task a task that without the help of the holy spirit is humanly impossible. So this morning I want to give you 3 H's to teach us about Christ's love. The first H stands for honesty. Christ's love is honest. So Our love ought to be honest. Human love tends to be kind of shallow. A shadow of what this world really needs. But a Christ-like love requires sacrifice and depth and accountability. It requires a willingness to, to open up my life to God and then to open my life up to you. And in return, it requires you opening your life up to me. That's risky stuff. Not for the faint of heart. Honest love means that sometimes, instead of a compliment, maybe I need guidance, direction, maybe even correction. That kind of honesty is risky, isn't it? How does Jesus speak? How did Jesus speak when uh, he was with his disciples? How did he speak when he was with his uh, family and friends, with the Pharisees, with his accusers, with strangers who clamored around him, wanting a piece of him? What was he like when throngs of people bore down upon him? When he was teaching, well, I think that you'd have to say, above all, he was honest. He didn't patronize people. He was direct, challenging, sharp, sometimes even blunt. But behind it, around it, undergirding it all was love. Always honest love. Honest love, however, is not cruel. Now, Susan Berg, she used to sit behind me in seventh grade. My last name was A, hers was B, and she loved to tell me exactly what she thought of me. Every morning, it seems, she would uh, kick my chair and tell me something uh, about myself. Um, She was honest about her feelings. She didn't hide anything, but she was also very cruel. And in seventh grade, that really hurts (laughs) to have someone be cruel to you. She tormented me. Honest love doesn't have to be cruel. And Christ-like love is never cruel. But some folks, you know, are kind of afraid of a frank discussion about where their lives are going uh, when you open up that kind of a subject. I wonder, are you ready for an honest, open conversation about your life? about where your life is headed? Can you handle an honest conversation like that? Perhaps it's time to have that kind of conversation, and maybe the place to start is with a loving, honest Savior, Jesus himself. When we sing those words, to be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. It should behoove us to remember that to be like Jesus is to be lovingly honest. And that honesty has to start with your own life, examining your own actions, your own heart. The second H stands for hard. Christ's love is hard and tough. So our love should be hard and tough. Now, hard love isn't an insensitive love. But if you're going to live and love like Jesus, you're going to need a lot of stamina. You see, Christ-like love isn't for wimps. There are no, there's no giving up on people, but trying again and again and again to get through to them. Some of you have been doing that with your loved ones, with your family, with friends. Jesus loved and loved in a way that was, um, costly. It cost him something. That's not even strong enough. It costs him everything. It's not so much that our love is to be hard on others as it is costly to us. This world's love is selfish. Love like Christ's is lavish, extravagant, costly. Jesus' love made him willing to receive hate in return for his love. It caused him physical pain. It made him walk many miles to get where he needed to be. It made him teach and preach when he was exhausted. And that's why his challenge shouldn't be taken lightly. Listen to these excerpts from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is my command, love each other. Brigadier Joseph Corbel is one of the army's historical superheroes if we did little figures of like superheroes Joseph Corbel would be one of them. His love for Christ cost him years of separation from his family during World War II. He was put into a Czechoslovakian prisoner of war camp because of his faith. And he and others like him paid a high cost for being faithful. How did he live through that night of being hung naked by his wrists in the middle of winter? by his captors. He says it was Christ himself who who he saw. He saw Christ come and place his hands on his hands as he hung there. In his moment of deepest, darkest hopelessness, he looked up and saw the hands of Jesus on his, and warmth flooded his body. And he lived. He lived to preach and to testify of God's love in his life. Through the darkest, hardest, and most hopeless circumstance, he learned the cost of a Christ-like love. Christ is lovingly honest. And Christ's love is hard and it's, it's tough. And finally, and perhaps hardest of all, the final H, Christ's love is humble. So, our love should be humble. Jesus loved in a way uh, that put God's plans and other people's needs ahead of his own. Even when he was tired and weak, he would rather have gone a different direction. He continued to love. Just try living out these verses luke six thirty five through thirty six love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the most high, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful in matthew five forty three through forty five You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Or how about this excerpt from Philippians 2? In humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, that is love's ultimate sacrifice. It is a humble, selfless love. Commissioner Frederick Booth Tucker understood such love and He was a pioneer in what has come to be called incarnational ministry. He was key to the Salvation Army's early work in India. You might say that the key to his effectiveness was that he loved those people with his feet. Now, Booth Tucker was a wealthy man. He had an aristocratic upbringing, yet he gave it all up to follow Christ. He said... The love of Jesus Christ compels me. So he gave up his his suits, his fine clothes, his boots and even his socks and his top hat. And in exchange, he put on Indian garments. But you know, he started with his feet. He decided that he could not live above the standards of the people he was trying to love. As he and his officers walked barefoot from village to village, they would share the story of the gospel of Christ. But um, they weren't getting any response. Nobody was um, connecting with their message. Then one day, as they were walking with sore feet, uh, he and his group of officers fell asleep under a a nice shade tree. And um, it just so happened that an Indian businessman was on a trip from another village, and he came by them. And Seeing these Europeans clothed in Indian dress was a very strange sight to him. But seeing their bare feet was even stranger. He was amazed. He, he bent down and saw that their feet were badly blistered and they were sore from the hot Indian sand. And, and moved with admiration, he returned to his own village and told everybody what he had seen. And the vill- villagers decided, well, we're going to go out and talk to these strangers. And so they found uh, Booth Tucker and his companions sitting around reading. And in accordance with their customs, the Indians seated themselves about a dozen yards away and, and silently watched and listened. Tucker was really ignorant of what had happened, but he did notice that the Indians uh were listening, and so he invited them to come over. After a few questions, the um, Indian villagers invited the salvationists to have uh, supper in their village. So that evening after sunset, when all the villagers had come in from the fields, they gathered in the bright moonlight to hear in word and song of the salvationists' faith. And at the end of that meeting, several of them came forward and accepted Christ. It was his feet. It was Frederick Booth Tucker, this great aristocrat, this man's willingness to humble himself that finally spoke to the people. Christ's love compelled him to go that extra mile. The army didn't tell him he had to do that. And he identified with the people he was sent to minister to. Christ's love cost him something, blistered feet, for one thing, but he was willing to give it. He was willing to live it. That's a humble love. So, what is Jesus like? What is his love like? love is honest. His love is hard and, and tough. His love is humble. But the question for us today is what's our love like? And the question for you is what's your love like? Is your love like Jesus love? Do you truly, Want to be like Jesus? Do you really? We're going to sing that chorus again to be like Jesus. And as we do, if that's your desire, then sing it as a prayer to God that you want to be like Jesus. You may not know right now exactly what that'll cost you, but that's all right. If you're willing to be like Jesus, he'll make that clear to you. And um, if you want to come and pray and speak to God, maybe about your lack of desire to do that, or maybe about your willingness to do that, we have these places of prayer. And we have this holiness table. I was just talking with a retired officer who's sitting in this sanctuary about the holiness table yesterday, how, how... We've maybe neglected it. It's a place where Christians can come and pray to, uh, to ask God to, uh, to take more of them, that they might be more uh, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. So whatever your need, if you want to be more like Jesus, you just do what Jesus tells you to do. To be like me. Your love, which won us over, which caught our attention, which convinced us that you're not our enemy, but that in fact you are our only Savior, our only hope. Lord, that same love, Lord, we desire to possess that love and not to possess it as something we hold within, but as something we share and radiate. Lord, I don't know what the condition of uh, each heart is here, but you do. And I pray this morning that you would speak to us, and that you would reveal to us our heart's condition. And Lord, if we fall short in love, as we most certainly do, Lord, help us to to strive through the power of your indwelling spirit to have a pure and holy love, an honest love, a, a tough love, a humble love. God, might it be to your glory and to the building of your kingdom. Bless us as we consider these things and as we Continue this time of invitation and response. Lord, continue to speak, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadels Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Gersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint, and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.